we have started a series, and we're in the middle of a series through the summer. We're walking through the Ten Commandments um, this summer, and um, I want to try something out with you this morning. I'm going to show you the list, because sometimes we forget about some of them, and maybe you can't think of all of them, but with this list in front of you, I'm going to ask you this morning to rank these in a different order. Let's, let's reorder the Ten Commandments, all right? But let's do it with this idea in mind. With our society, thinking about our society today, number one being the worst. Which one is the worst one? Which one is the most despicable? Um, the one that in our society you would get the most punishment for if you were to do that one. That would be number one. And then number ten would be, eh, whatever. Doesn't matter. We've all done it. You might have already done it this morning. Um, no big deal. Nobody flinches when it happens. It just, it just does, all right? All right, so if we were to do that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an assumption here that maybe we would all kind of agree on this. One, two, might, you, know, you might switch it from what I would say. But I would think in our society, if we were to reorder these commandments, I would say that number six might go all the way up to number one. Do not murder. I mean, that would... That would bring you the most punishment in life. Um, don't steal, don't lie. Those would rank up there in the first probably three or four, right? Adultery and coveting, we'd all say those are not very good. Um, so we would probably take six through ten and move them up to be one through four. And then I would say that probably we would all say that honoring your father and mother is a good thing, and we need to do that. So that would have to stay somewhere in that middle range. But then we get to the first four, one through four, and we might rearrange those a little bit, but my guess would be that number three, number three, maybe you've already forgotten about <laughs> If I were to ask you to list them out, you might have forgotten that that's even one of the ten. Um, oh yeah, I forget about that one. That's the one I always skip. I don't even remember that that's a commandment um, to misuse God's name. What does that even mean? That might be number ten. I believe it needs to be where it's at, though. If we really stop and think about it, it goes along with one and two. It has to be there with those two. They go hand in hand, and the honor and respect that we give God, I think, changes how we approach the rest of the commandments. So let me read this one to you, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, I get it. That list, some of those commandments really affect you. Um, you're like, yeah, I, I need to hear that one. That one's right where I'm at. But there's others that are there, and you're thinking, why did I have to come this week? This one doesn't really affect me. I really don't care if I break this one. Or that one, I don't have a problem with. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't steal. I've never murdered anyone, probably not planning on it, so I think I could skip that week. Which week are you teaching that one, Devin? I'll, I'll make sure I miss that one, right? Um, but it might be how you interpret it. So I want you to come back because we might think of it differently. But with this one this week, don't misuse God's name. I want to take you past the surface level of this commandment. I don't want you to just think of it, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to do that. I want you to go beyond just what's at the surface. Let's dig a little deeper and let's find out something about our hearts and let's be challenged this morning to think differently about what God teaches. So let's start here. Throughout history, I know certain names become synonymous with 
specific thing. So if you hear a name, you connect it with something. It might be a merchandise. It might be an activity. It might be a character trait of someone. So I'm going to say some names to you and I want you to respond. So just blurt it out when you, what you think, what comes to mind first when I say this name. And I'll give you a hint on this first one. This is a character trait. So think of a character trait when I say this name. All right. Abraham Lincoln. Honesty, right? Honest Abe. That would be what we come up with. Benedict Arnold. A traitor, a treachery would be, you know, what we think of. All right, I'm going to shift gears with you. I'm not going to give you any hints, but you just say what comes first to mind. Uh, Colonel Sanders. Chicken. chicken, fried chicken, right. Okay, how about this one? Hugh Hefner. Oh, I'm so disappointed in you guys. I just wanted a little bit of a pause before Playboy came out, right? I, was, I got a lot of work to do here. We'll keep, we'll keep trying on this. Oscar Meyer. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Um, Bill Gates. Computers, Microsoft, Michael Jordan, basketball. You're getting the hang of this. Devin Went. I know compassion, enthusiasm, <laughs> beauty, humility would be his top one, right? It would be right there. So when you hear names in history, certain names evoke something in you, a feeling, a memory, something is connected with that name. When you hear that name, so when I say the name God, what happens to you? Anything? Or nothing at all? Or what should it be? I wonder how God feels when he hears his name. Especially if we flippantly use the term, oh my God. I wonder if God gathers his angels together and says, hey, somebody needs me. Somebody's calling for me. And his angels might say, nah, they're, they're not. And he says, no, they said my name. They need me. And they might say, well, they didn't mean it. They're just saying it. And he goes, well, I, I really, I thought somebody needed me. They said my name. George Washington, he wrote a little book. Um, I think I, I read that he was like 16 years old when he wrote this book, 100 Rules for Living. This is one of his rules. I will never speak irreverently about reverent things. I have some great advice that we can take and learn from. You see, his name, God's name matters to him for the same reason your name matters to you. You don't want somebody messing up your name. You don't want somebody dragging your name through the mud or using it flippantly. It reminds me of a guy who spent $100. He spent $100 having his family tree looked up. He wanted to see his heritage. And then after it came out, he spent $1,000 trying to cover it up. <laughs> he said, I don't want anybody to know about it. So let's jump back to the Hebrews. In the Old Testament, the Hebrews had a fear. They feared misusing the name of God so much that they wouldn't even say it. They wouldn't use the proper name of God. They came up with other things to represent that because they were so afraid of misusing the name Yahweh. That was the Hebrew um, word for that we translate Lord. So Yahweh means Lord. It's a proper name for God. 6,823 times it's used in the Old Testament. It's the most common and uncommon name of God. Now the original spelling of the word is this. Y-H-V-H. Four letters. The biblical pronoun, proper name of God. The four-letter name of God, the most sacred name of God, the unfathomable name, beyond description, beyond understanding. Y-H-V-H. If we were to try to pronounce it, which is the whole reason behind it, there's no vowels in there, it's because they didn't, 
They didn't want to pronounce it because they were afraid they would pronounce it wrong. So if we were to try, it would sound, and I'm going to mess it up completely, it would sound something like this, Yahweh. They were trying to pronounce breath, the sound that you make when you breathe, because he is the breath of life, and he gives us life. And that's where this name comes from. Now, during Bible times, they were so afraid to say it, um, or to say it wrong, whenever they wrote it, they would throw away the pen. Whenever they said it, they would go cleanse themselves. They would wash themselves. Now, over time, we have added vows to it. And over time, eh, it doesn't mean as much. Now, why? Why doesn't it mean as much to us? I think, I'm going to give you some reasons um, that I think people misuse God's name. I think this is why we misuse God's name. And then I'm going to take you, I'm going to leave you with something this morning that you can take home with you. Um, But why do we misuse God's name? I think people misuse God's name because they're uninformed. They're they're ignorant. They don't know any better. I just just don't know. They don't realize that it's wrong. Um, I remember when Emma, she's my oldest daughter, she's 17 now, but I remember when she was in kindergarten one time, she came home from kindergarten and she said, oh God. And April and I looked at each other like, where where did that come from? Because we don't use that term in our home. So we knew it had to come from somewhere. But she was in kindergarten. She had no idea, no reason. And some people will say, well, what's wrong with saying God? I don't mean anything by it. Exactly. If you're going to say God's name, you better mean something with it. You better put some meaning behind it and think about what you're doing. God has done so much for us. He created us. He gave us everything um, in this world to enjoy. He gave us his son to die for us, to forgive us of our sins. How then can we misuse his name and use it so casually? So here's the deal. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Let me read it to you. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now you're informed. Now you know. This is the third commandment. It means something to God, and he's serious about it. We cannot be uninformed any longer. Number two, why do people misuse God's name? I think they misuse God's name because they're uncontrolled. We're just uncontrolled with our speech at times. We just let words fly, and we don't think about it, and it just happens. Um, Maybe they deliberately, I think there are some people in our world that deliberately want to flaunt their independence of God, and they don't care. So let me go back to this word. I want to unpack this word for you. It's the word profane. It comes from a Latin word, um, two words that are made together. Pro, meaning in front of, and fane, meaning the temple. It means that you have taken what is holy from the temple and brought it outside of the temple to in front of the temple and made it unholy. It's as if we stand in front of the temple of God and give him the universal sign of extreme disapproval and say, I don't care about you. I can do it on my own. To profane the name of God, to flagrantly acting unholy right in front of God himself. Maybe that's what we do. Maybe, maybe we just have a habit so bad that we're unaware of it. Maybe people just are unaware of their language and what comes out of their mouth. 
Well, I believe that you can prepare yourself. Um, you know when you're faced with an opportunity to swear, so work at that. Work at controlling your language. And, and people will say it, I know, I didn't mean to, I don't like it, it just came out, I apologize for it, but I believe it is a control issue, and I believe it can be controlled. Um, it, just this last week, I was across the street here, I was fishing at the River Pond area, and as I was fishing, there was a guy who was camping, just a couple campsites over, and he came over to share some of his fishing skills um, with me, and what he has learned in that area, and about every other word that came out of his mouth was a word that I don't use in my everyday language. Um, and I'm kind of glad he didn't know who I was. He didn't know that I was a pastor here in town, or I believe his language probably would have changed because I've watched that before. When people find out what I do for a living, they change their language. But I know that it's controllable because as soon as he left and he went back to his campsite where his grandchildren were at, I didn't hear him use those words anymore. It is controllable. I know we can do it. Now, I get it, right? Um, oops, I made a mistake. Oops, I slipped up. Oops, that came out. I'm sorry about that. And there is some of that that's going to happen in life. I get it. But I know we can control it a lot more than we do. But I want you to hear how serious it is to God. Um, last week, I talked about this with the commandment that we talked about and the Levitical law that usually goes with it. So um, in the book of Leviticus, it takes some of these laws of God and breaks them down or gives them a little bit more explanation or the result of what happens when you break this law. And in Leviticus chapter 24, it talks about this one specifically. It talks about what happens when people misuse God's name. And the Lord spoke to Moses, it said, take the blasphemer outside of the camp. All those who heard him are to lay hands on his head, and the entire assembly is to stone him. And say to the Israelites, if anyone curses his God, he will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord will be put to death. Now there's no record of this actually happening, that anyone died because they misused God's name. But this should show us how serious God is about it. The result of misusing God's name in the Old Testament was the death penalty. God's saying, guys, I'm serious about this. This is important to me. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus um, here, this is the NIV, he's talking, he says, the good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings the evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. Still pretty serious with Jesus. And he's saying whatever you, whatever comes out of you is what has been put into you. And you're going to have to give an account of that someday. That's pretty serious stuff that Jesus is backing up with this. James chapter 3 verse 10 says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does the spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt, salt pond produce fresh water. You can't praise God with the same body and mouth that you curse God with. He's saying it just can't work. Maybe some of these people that, that do this just have a limited vocabulary. They're just not smart enough. They just don't have enough words in their vocabulary to use more creative words so they go back to express themselves this way. I, I think the best example of this is extreme makeover shows 
where they go in and redo a house, you know, in 30 minutes. Um, and then the reveal happens and people walk through their new home that's already done. And not everybody, but a majority of the people that every room they walk in, the first phrase they use is, oh my God. I'm thinking, there's other words you can use. There's other good words that would show how much that means to you that you could use. But yet that's what comes out. Maybe their vocabulary isn't very big and that's all they can think of. Heard a story about this um, country farmer who his daughter went off to college. It was the only daughter they had. She went to college in the big city, an Ivy League school. And while she was there, she met a friend from the city who had never been to a farm. So she thought, this is great. I'm going to invite her back to my farm and show her around. So she invited her friend back to the farm. They were set down. They ate a meal together. And after their meal, the father stands up and makes this announcement. He says, well, I guess I better go spread some some more manure now. And his daughter was so embarrassed. Um, She said, mom, I can't believe he still uses that word. Can't you get him to say the word fertilizer? And she says, oh, honey, you have no idea how long it took me to get him to say manure. (laughs) How about us? So think about our religion. Think about Christianity. Are we the only religion that profanes our God's name? Have you ever heard anybody say, oh, my Buddha? Has anyone ever asked Muhammad to damn anything? I don't think so. So why do we think we can profane God's name that way? I believe what he's saying here is do not use my name to express joy or excitement or disappointment in yourself or in you. Only use my name when you're praising me. I think people misuse God's name because they're too familiar. (laughs) We get too familiar with it. It's just commonplace. It's just part of our everyday language. This is what we do. And we forget that it's something special. Sometimes something becomes so familiar to us that we forget it. I heard about um, former President George Bush when he was on the campaign trail. He stopped one time um, to visit the residents at a nursing home. And he walked up to an elderly woman in a wheelchair, and he said, hello, ma'am, what's your name? And she said, hi, my name is Mary. He said, well, Mary, it's nice to meet you. Do you know who I am? And she says, no, sir, I don't, but if you ask the front desk, they'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it might not be that we're cursing when we use God's name. It might not be that we're threatening. It just might be that we're simply being too casual with it. That we just use God's name whenever it fits for us. And there's that old statement, familiarity breeds contempt. I believe that we've grown so accustomed to God that we speak his name without focusing on him or giving him the attention that's due him. We've lost track of the seriousness of this commandment. I think God wants us to be comfortable with him but yet not forget who he is or take him for granted. Jesus even taught us this. When he taught us to pray, when when he said in the New Testament, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. I mean, that's personal. To call him Dad, to call him Daddy, our Father, that's a personal relationship. That's a pretty cool thing. But we can't forget the next line. Hallowed be your name. 
I can't be so casual in calling you dad that I can't, you know, I, I let that slip as well, that your name is still special. We can take this so far as that when somebody sneezes, right, we say, God bless you, right? And there, there's nothing wrong with that to bless somebody after they sneeze. It's common. It's what happens around us. That's a cool thing. But does God really need to be involved in that? Meaning, how casual have we made the name of God in our society? There are many commentators that I read about um, this week with it that made the application that when we sing praise songs without worshiping him, we're actually using God's name in vain. We're just saying it flippantly, not really meaning it. The quote I read was this, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. Oh. Make sure when you're in here to worship that you know what you're saying, and you're saying it for a reason. Here's the last one I want to share with you. Number four, people misuse God's name because they're trying to get ahead. I believe at times they're either trying to get ahead of somebody or they're, they're trying to disassociate with God. So either they're using God to get ahead or they're using God to disassociate with him to get ahead in life a different way. Um, there was a time um, during high school that I called my mom by her first name. Her name is Mary. And I think she did something that embarrassed me in front of my friends, which mothers are good at that, especially in high school age. They're good at that. And so it was my way of saying, I'm not sure I want to claim you as my mom anymore because you're embarrassing, so I'm just going to call you Mary. And that was not very nice of me, and I have since apologized for that. But do you get the story? And understand that. Sometimes we try and forge God's name onto something that God doesn't endorse. Sometimes we try and get God to sign off on something in order for us to get ahead in life. God supports us when he really doesn't. A, a good example of this would be Westboro Baptist Church. You've all seen the signs that say God hates a certain group of people. When God doesn't hate those people, neither do we. But yet, it can be portrayed that way to get ahead. And maybe we've done it before. We use God's name for blaming and shaming and defaming. God told me, or God made me do it, or I swear to God, or simply blaming God for something happening when it was just an accident, and God is just as upset as you might be. Or how about this one? Musicians or actors or athletes that thank God for helping them win a game or win an award now, this one might be me um, casting judgment on, and so I've got to separate this because I believe there are times when that's sincerely done with a sincere heart, and they truly are thanking God. But I also wonder if there's times when somebody says it just to show humility so that others will think that they are humble in the winning of the award. So what do you learn from this? What can you walk away from this morning with this? How do you, how do you take this information and, and go home with something? So here's what I want you to take with you this morning. Number one is to admit. I think we have to admit that there are times that we have all carelessly misused his name. 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a concept that's out there of the concept of parallel lines, and it goes something like this. You probably heard it. If society is here, we as Christians or believers, we want to be a few rungs above society. So we try and maintain this level while our society's here. Here's the problem with this idea. If society dips, 
oftentimes we do as well. And it's hard for us to maintain that level without also following that society. And if we dip with them, we're right where society was just a few years ago. And it can be tough for us. I remember sitting around the TV as a kid and a show that we might have been watching. If somebody said a curse word or took God's name in vain, I remember my dad turning the channel. That was just 30 years ago. I don't turn the channel anymore. I'm not sure many of us do. And we have to admit that we have lowered our standards with this commandment of God and his name and who he is. Second, admit it and then avoid it. This is what we need to do. We need to avoid the people and places and things that cause us to slip. Second Timothy 2.16. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Again, it goes back to what Matthew taught. The good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart. It's what we put in. If you're putting good things in, when that happens, that's what's going to come out. If you're putting evil things in, your ears and your eyes, then that's what's going to come out of you. I mean, think about it. When you go to certain movies or you rent certain movies, we are knowingly exposing ourselves to continuous profanity. Here's the crazy part. We don't just allow that language. We pay for it. We pay money, good money, to allow that to happen in front of us. Someone defined um, hypocrisy like this. Um, that, uh, sorry. Someone wants to find hypocrisy as someone who complains about all the sex and violence on their Netflix account. We're like a sponge. I, I get this. Um, when we're in tight situations and when we come down to it and we're squeezed in a tight situation in life, what drips out of us? Somebody relayed this to the fruit of the Spirit if we're a fruit or we have the fruit of the Spirit in us, when we're squeezed, what juices run out of us? Is it the fruit of the Spirit or is it something else? What are we putting in us that matters? And then third is this, acknowledge. Um, admit, avoid, and acknowledge. Acknowledge God, who he really is. Who is he? Remember who God is and acknowledge that over and over and over. Remind yourself that this God is special. His name needs to be honored. And there's something special about it. Psalm 29, 2, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Give him that glory. Don't use his name in vain. Honor his name with that. Here's how we do it. Habakkuk, the prophet, when he was in a tight situation, and he relied back on God. He said it this way, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let me read it again. This is what we should do. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him.
Father, God, it's an honor to be able to call you by Father. It's also an honor to give you that praise and that respect and that authority that comes with your name. God, I pray that as we learn this and we go back to and we're reminded of how important this commandment is, that it's not just flippantly tossed about or that you just wrote it um, for no reason at all, but there is something special about this one. That if we can throw this one out or we rank it down to the bottom of the list, that it changes how we, how we view all the other commandments. God, teach us and remind us how special you are and not to flippantly use your name or for it to become so familiar to us that we disregard it. God, teach us to honor that in such a way that others see it as well. The respect that is due to who you are, that it changes in how we live our lives and how we do everything else. Guide us through that. Help us through that. God, may you be honored. May you be glorified. May when we use your name, it's only, it's only to bring you praise and glory. God, help us as we walk through this and as we do it. We love you and we praise you for it. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we say this prayer. Amen.